Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I'm your host, Cameron Teptabai. I'm joined by Dr. Justin Quinn. Our good friend Alex is still getting settled in Brooklyn. He's got the week off, but in his stay, we've got friend of the podcast, Jack Simone. You know him from Celtics blog. You know him about from the How About Them Seas podcast. You know him from Bulls Wire. And importantly for this episode, you know him from Spurs Wire. Jack, hey. Hello, hello. Thank you guys for having me. I'm ready to talk uh, as many of those teams as you'd like me to talk because I'm my my brain is scrambled so often. But if we, we nail it down to a couple, then I'm uh, more streamlined, I suppose. Um, if by a couple you mean 15, then perfect. Because Even what better. we're doing today is previewing the Western Conference. And off air, we were like, wow, that's kind of a reach. But in fact, our friends over at FanDuel, the top 10 finals matchups uh, with the best odds, five of them involve the Boston Celtics. So the odds makers think Boston is headed for a consequential matchup with some sort of Western Conference team at some point next season. Good enough for us. So in the second half of this podcast, we will talk about what we think of the Western Conference, who's a contender, who's a pretender, who stinks, who really stinks. And if you're curious, we did this with the Eastern Conference last week. Go check out our episode from last week. But first, we're going to talk about news. We're going to talk about load management. We're going to talk about FIBA. And then later, we'll talk about the Western Conference. So that's the agenda for today. Okay, the news uh, matters to some folks. Taylor Funk signed to a camp deal. Um, Justin Quinn, is this the reincarnation of Larry Bird or what? Well, he does study. He models his game after Larry Bird. Um, I model my game after Robert Parrish. It's not helping. Uh, I'm hoping it's helping him more. Uh, He doesn't have Larry Bird like stat lines, but he does a little bit of everything. And he appears to be very locked in when he's playing in the five minutes of highlights. I think I've seen of him so far. Uh, So he's interesting. I don't know if he's going to make the team. Uh, He's a forward. I think he's six foot eight. Uh, He can shoot the ball a bit, pass a bit, decent defender, nothing incredibly knock your socks off, which is, you know, why he went undrafted. But you might make the team. Cool name. Jack, two questions. One, who do you model your game after? And second, is there anyone heading into training camp, either on a non-guaranteed deal or a bona fide deal that you're interested in? Who do I model my game after? Well, when I was in college, I would just spend hours at the, the like the rec gym playing basketball. And as you can see, you can probably see it on the YouTube. I have super glue on my glasses. And this is from multiple, multiple times of snapping them, taking a basketball to the face. We, we're literally on a streak of four weeks in a row at my Sunday runs where they've snapped. Um, but I had goggles <laughs> in college. And so people called me Kareem. Not that I modeled my game after Kareem, but because I looked like him. Who I model after, I, I feel like just a worse Jokic because I'm I'm often too slow to run up the court and I uh, <laughs> make full court passes uh, and can shoot the three a little bit. But who am I excited for looking at a training camp? I'm really interested in the wing rotation of Jordan Walsh, Sam Hauser, O'Shea Brissett, and I guess Fima Kailu now too because like one of those guys could have a significant role and off you know immediately you think Sam Hauser and that's who I think it end up will being especially because he was great when he got more opportunities last season but Sfima Kailu can shoot Jordan Walsh is a great defender or Shaber has got you know some athleticism he can defend a little bit so they, they have a ton of options there at at least for me the position I thought okay let's get a backup wing in here behind Tatum and Brown to ease the load and they now have a group of you know 
minutes by committee guys who who can slide in behind those guys. So I'm excited for that. But Jordan Walsh is probably the one out of all of them that I'm, I'm most excited for because he showed a lot of great stuff in summer league. And if he can turn that into successful minutes in the NBA level, he seems like the type of guy Joe Mazzulla would want to play a lot. I have to say this is off script. I've been playing NBA 2K. Thank you to the folks at 2K for hooking it up. I'm really struggling to make the geography for the Celtics fit on the court, um, which is hopefully why Joe Missoula <laughs> is the coach and I'm not, but <laughs> there's something about this rotation that I'm starting to not understand. Um, but that's not what this podcast is about. So I'll just put a pin in that. But uh, as you're talking about like, what is the wing rotation going to be? I'm realizing that I have many of those questions up and down the depth chart. Anyways, let's talk about that later for now. Since we last talked, um, the United States was bounced from the FIBA World Cup, did not even medal, which is not the first time that's happened at World Cup. It's a little more scandalous, I think, at the Olympic level. But uh, I am said Boston. U.S. went home early. Canada got the bronze. Latvia, without Kristaps Porzingis, took silver. And Germany, led by the Dennis Schroeder and the Daniel Tice, took gold. Um, the, the rub now is what is USA going to do? Is LeBron in? Is he going to bring all these people back? Jack, what do you think of the USA team commentary? What do you think of their chances heading into Paris? What do you think of this last week of international basketball talk? Yeah, we talked about this in the last podcast, uh, me and Sam on How About Them Celtics, who I know you guys have had Sam on too. And we came to the same conclusion. We're like, it's lame that all these a-tier guys can say, no, we don't want to play in the World Cup, but we'll play for the Olympics because then the guys who did play in the World Cup don't really get that chance. But at the same time, it does make sense. Like we, we likened it to it's not the exact same, but when these, you know, Premier League teams and the, these international soccer teams, <clears throat> these clubs play in like the FA Cup or these smaller cups, like they roll out the B squad because they're like, oh, we don't really care about this as much as the main things. Uh, but then for the World Cup, which is the biggest international stage, they send out the stars. And that and that's kind of what I likened it, the Olympics to the World Cup, because it is like the Olympics is the international grand stage of, of everything. And the FIBA World Cup is kind of like the minor tournament that also comes around. And for these smaller, you know, not smaller, like Germany is a good basketball nation. They have a lot of NBA guys, but for teams outside of the U.S., you want to win the FIBA World Cup because you get the chance to beat the U.S., you get the chance to beat these other teams. But for LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, all these guys, like they want the Olympic gold. They don't want the FIBA World Cup gold. That's just, that, that's what it is for them. And plus, this is probably like the last chance LeBron, Steph, and Katie and that that older generation will have to play in the Olympics. So it doesn't make sense that I want to play. Um but yeah, they're they're bringing out the Avengers. This 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 Olympic <laughs> squad is gonna be nuts. Although they don't really have any any great centers, which we saw was an issue in the FIBA World Cup. And so, unless AD is gonna you know say, oh no, don't I I don't want to play center for the Lakers, but I'll play center for the World Cup, which I can't imagine is gonna happen. We'll have to find a different way around the rebounding, which could be a problem with all these other centers around the uh, the world. Yeah, it was kind of a weird indictment i mean you're i don't disagree with anything you just said but like this team should have been good enough to have been more competitive than they mm. were i know you know they came in fourth and things were a little fluky against canada a little fluky against germany but like i don't know i think some of the, the questioning about like steve kerr's coaching in this team feels uh fair enough the use of the center position like you just alluded to jack i don't know i like with respect to the international community uh, where there's tons of basketball talent this was still a really talented usa team that i think underperformed pretty big so yeah maybe they're calling in the avengers but the b list i think also kind of laid an egg justin you're 
an ambassador of the international community of a sort. Tell us what you think. I think it's good for the game. Uh, I think that whenever the United States loses a competition like this, uh, it might suck for us as U.S. citizens, but for, I'm assuming we're all U.S. citizens. Uh, generally speaking, though, it's like when UCLA dominated or UConn, the women's game, it, it's not very interesting in, when you're only at best competing for second. So for first off, I think it's it's good in that regard. And then secondly, I think that for a very long time, the United States was just able to come and play NBA style within the FIBA system, where now it's becoming a liability, as we hinted at with the, the center situation. Uh, I mean, like teams turning the ball over by not realizing how much time they have before the possession ends, just like really, really basic, obvious stuff that a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant top 10 coach in the NBA is not a very good FIBA coach just because he's not around the system, doesn't have time to develop the relationships. And there's, there's gotta be a way that they can find like maybe three guaranteed spots, right? If you play in the world cup and then mm -hmm. you still have room for everybody else. Like you don't need to make like all of them, but like give some of the people. So you have like a core of a continuity who works with a dedicated, not NBA jumping in like if he wants to do it every single year and get really familiar with the system great but until until the united states is ready to play the fiba game i think they're going to have to start getting more used to not meddling or meddling below where they want to in the near-term future all right we're going to pause the action because it's time to get ready for the nfl season with incredible offers from fanduel america's number one sports book Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older or present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus bets are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends September 18th, 2023, no refunds, terms and embargoes apply, $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV, YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV, redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment, commercial use excluded, subscription renews, cancel anytime. Okay, back to the podcast. Yeah, I think that's true, Reed. Although, I don't know, I, like Canada didn't seem to have the same problems in the same way. Um We'll keep it moving. I will say the three revelations for me were Anthony Edwards, Dennis Schroeder, and SGA. Um, Schroeder not only won MVP for World Cup, which is cool. One of my favorite Schroeder fun facts is, it just I think it's just a product of when he came into the league. There is a Dennis Schroeder app that you can download on your phone for all things Dennis Schroeder, which I'm sure uh, there's a few. I think Daniel Gallinari has a um, an app as well. And speaking of former Italian Celtics players, Luigi Dottome, has retired uh, after Italy was bounced pretty early in this tournament. So best wishes to Gigi. Okay. A few more bits of news and then we'll talk about the Western conference. Supposedly 
it has been reported or the NBA is saying that they are going to crack down on load management. Who knows what that's going to look like in practicality. Supposedly it's going to carry hundred thousand dollar fines or more, which I'm sure Steve Ballmer will feel deep in his pockets, but um, Jack, any belief in this load management system? I think I've tipped my hand for how I'm coming down on it. It's fine. Like it, it is what it is. I understand what they're trying to do. It doesn't sound like it's going to make too big of a difference. I, I can't find the exact thing. This is how Sam described it to me. It does sound like the fines are going to be like a hundred thousand for the first game, 250,000 for the second game, but then it jumps to like a million, 250,000, 2 million. So like the fines do get hefty past the first couple games, but they also, you know, made it a point to say, oh, these are for nationally televised games, and this is for All-Stars, All-NBA. And I think the, what they qualify as a star is All-Star or All-NBA in the past three years. So, like, there are so many qualifications for it that it's only going to affect certain players and certain teams. And also, how do you enforce it? Like, if, if you just mm-hmm. say, oh, this player has a family issue, or this player has a headache, or this player is, you know, sore – what do you say? You get to check up on Steph Curry while he's hanging out at a wedding and say, Hey, Oh, you, you just making sure you're not lying. You are doing something like it just seems too hard to enforce. Although I do agree with the premise, like don't rest your stars. Like the warriors did it a lot where they would just rest everybody on certain nights and the Clippers have done it as well. But um, like, I guess it could technically, like I wrote about it from the Pacers perspective for, for 8.9 seconds for fan sided, which is like, Pacers probably get an advantage from this because teams like the Hawks and the Bulls who have stars uh, that they'll need to play and will be competing with the Pacers are have na- more nationally televised games and will have to play their stars more. And so they could get tired and That's all these risks that they might not take otherwise. So like th- there is, I guess, some sort of advantage because like the Pacers have one nationally televised game and only one all-star and Halliburton doesn't want to sit games anyways. So you could say like, it's good for those teams from that perspective. But again, I'm confused as to how they're going to enforce it in the first place. It just seems like they're, but at the same time, that's not the NBA's fault either. Cause like what way can you enforce it? This type of thing. Yeah. I don't have too much to add to that. I think it's an interesting, very narrowly focused, for example, currently the Celtics have probably zero players we expect it to actually affect even though they have a number of players, they, they're going to need to load manage this season almost certainly. So I think it's pro- people who are freaking out about it are prob- probably just need to read what it is and what it entails a little more closely because it's just going to – like this is the, the bone that they're throwing to the, the fan who goes to one game a year and the, the star player for the team that they came to go for is not playing. That's really – the only thing this is for, this is not really a crackdown on load management because like 90% of the league can still load manage. I was trying to look up how much money, uh, like the financial value of winning a title. But the flip side is the the estimation is that the Spurs jumped $500 million in value when they got Wembenyama. So like, even if the penalties add up, if you think it's your ticket to either properly tanking or going deeper in the postseason, like the financial benefit probably outweighs the impact. So I don't know. I think maybe some of the cheaper or like more PR conscious owners or or front offices might take a hint, but I don't know. It's silly. It's an entertainment product. I think they should put the entertainers out there, but I understand that that's not how it's viewed internally. Okay, Jack, we are going to talk about the Western conference because maybe the Celtics will play these teams in the finals, but they'll play them elsewhere. And 
this is what we came up with last week. So we're going to use the same kind of scoring system. We're going to try to break down whether teams are contenders, pretenders, just a solid playoff team, otherwise going nowhere, a team uh, destined for the play-in, a bad team, but maybe trending up, or a team that is just in the tank. So contenders, pretenders, playoff team, play-in team, bad but trending up, and bad and going nowhere. So we'll go in alphabetical order to not pick favorites. And if you got five minutes on a team because you got to get something off your chest, go for it. Otherwise, we'll keep it moving. Let us start with, uh, I would hazard, one of the most confusing teams in the Western Conference, the Dallas Mavericks. So, Jack Simone, what is your read on Grant Williams' Dallas Mavericks? That's so tough because they're definitely in such a weird spot. They changed the team a lot this summer. I would probably put them in the the solid playoff team category. I think they're better than a play-in team this year than they were last year because as much as they did have Kyrie for half the season, they now have a full off season to get him and Luka going together. They have much better depth now, uh, even if they don't have a solid starting center. And I I think they might even be like a a Clint Capella or Miles Turner type guy, like a, a, not like an all-star, but like pretty close to like a, a really good starting center away from being, you know, knocking on the door of that contender tier because you have Luca, you have another ball handler. And the last time you saw Luca with another star ball handler, him and Jalen Brunson went to the Western Conference Finals. So not saying it's going to be the exact same, but they should at the very least be a solid playoff team, in my opinion. Dr. Quinn. Not too much to add for that. Uh, Luca has looked great in international play. He looks healthy ahead of the season. And they actually have a competent wing rotation now. Maybe not an ideal wing rotation, but a competent one. So I do think that that is a very good assessment as well. I think that this team is a pretender for the following reasons. Uh, They're going to look like a contender because Luca is an MVP candidate and Kyrie Irving creates a lot of uh, attention and they're going to score so crazy amounts. It's going to be a crazy offensive bonanza. So they're going to get a lot of attention, be talked about like a contender. However, they're going to be pretending because uh, uh, first of all, you can't trust that Kyrie Irving is going to be there. That's just fact. But more importantly, who the hell is going to play defense on this team? This team is going to be so bad on defense. So maybe they will look the part and maybe they will even win a lot of regular season games and thus be high in the uh, standings. But when push comes to shove uh, is a paper tiger down in Dallas, I think. So I think pretender because of how much attention they're going to get. But I don't think they're going very far. All right. I think I know the answer to this next one, but Dr. Quinn, you get first bite at the apple. What is your assessment of the Denver Nuggets? You're going to have to do more than convince me that losing Bruce Brown is a reason to not consider them a contender. Jack, do you have a reason? Yeah, no, they're the, I think they have to be the favorites to repeat. I was listening to uh, Chris Finch and on JJ Reddick's podcast and he, Chris Finch just goes on a tangent. He's like, this might be one of the best built rosters, like in terms of a team structure in a long time. And they're just, they have a playmaking shot, creating point guard, a three and D wing, uh, sharp shooting, small forward, a, a, you know, perfect lob threat for Jokic. And then Jokic. Jokic. Yeah. They they need they're the they're the favorites in my eyes. They're they're a contender, absolutely. Of of course they're a contender, and I'm just gonna use the next 30 seconds or so to talk about Aaron Gordon, who his entire time in the NBA, I've really enjoyed rooting for that person. I I don't think I've met him personally. I don't know him as a human being, 
but he seems like he's a lot of fun. His dunk contests have always been so much fun, and he's just been so, so enjoyable playing with the Denver Nuggets. So, first of all, they have all the reasons to be actual contenders, but shout out to Aaron Gordon, the once upon a time almost Celtic. Okay, I get to go first. We're going to be done quick <laughs> if all these uh, contenders shake loose. Um, I get to talk about the Golden State Warriors, and there's no reason for me to believe that they don't have the goods to be a real contender. Um, until I see it otherwise, I mean, I would have said two years ago that Cinderella's Midnight had struck, but they won a title. And I'm not going to be fooled twice. So they're contenders. Uh, maybe not juggernauts, but they're smart, experienced, talented, pretty balanced, maybe not as deep as before, but that to me feels like a full-blown contender. Jack? I feel like I'm less into the Warriors this year. They're still going to be good. They're still going to be a playoff team, and I still think they do have a chance because whenever you have stuff, you have a chance. But they lost some really good death pieces. DiVincenzo's gone, and I know people clowned on Jordan Poole, but that's a 20 points per game score that they're not going to have anymore, especially when Steph's out, and he's probably going to miss time. He's not going to play 82 games. Uh, and mm-hmm. this news that they're starting Chris Paul – that's going to be a mess. Let's ju- I, I'm just going to call his face. That's terrible. That's, that's, that's a bad idea. <laughs> idea. So who are you, who are you going to bench? Kip, Kevon Looney? You're going to bench Andrew Wiggins. You're going to bench, you're not going to bench Clay or Dre. So I, I think that's going to be weird. Uh, maybe Wiggins, but even then I don't like that for the defensive issues. I am nervous for this season for the Warriors in the Chris Paul experiment, especially because the way Sam phrased it, if they don't trade Chris Paul or bring him back, that's a $30 million salary spot that the Warriors just lose at the end of the season. So it's going to be weird to see how they approach it, especially with CP. Uh, And especially with, I'm not saying CP is the same as Jordan Poole, because I think the issues there were young versus old, but I I, I have a bad feeling Draymond and CP might not get along. (laughs) But anyways, (laughs) that's, uh, I'm there have the chance to be a contender, but I'm not as high as I feel like. Other so people. pretender. Potentially. Although I don't think in the same sense of what Cam thinks that Mavericks, because I still think they have a chance if Steph's there. It's just, I feel like they might not be as good as people anticipate, especially because of the Chris Paul thing. I, I'm not a fan. I'm you with you talk me into, into No. Yeah. Down. Because it's like that either you get along with Chris Paul really, really well, or you really, really don't get along with Chris Paul. And they already have a history of not getting along with Chris Paul. Yep. So I'm I'm not so sure about how that goes. I think like, you know, the Sourich ad is pretty interesting if he's still healthy and able to play at a high level. We haven't really seen too much of him uh, since he came back from injury. Jordan Poole, I mean, like, as you pointed out, what he what he lacks in experience and ability to be consistent, uh, he, the other person who ended up getting shipped out for him lacks in ability to stay on the floor because of health. So it's like, there's also the prickliness. So all told, I do think they still definitely have the tools to win a title, but I think there's a lot more variables in there that have me knocking down a peg just gently to pretender status as well. I'm going to stick with contender, but uh, you those were both pretty convincing takes. Okay, Jack, you get to talk about the Houston Rockets. I'm glad it's not me. Oh, man. Uh, they're... Purely in, from a basketball sense, outside of the many other things going on in Houston in general, um, they're probably a young team trending up. They've, Fred Van Fleet's a fine player. Dylan Brooks is a fine player. Like 
whatever. But I'm really into the other guys. Like Jalen Green is probably going to be one of the better scorers in the league. I really like Alper and Shangun. I was so out on him coming into the league, but he's proven me so wrong. He's super good. Jabari Smith, Smith, excuse me, just finished up a pretty good summer league, so I think he could take another step up after what people are probably called a disappointing rookie season. Um, and then you just got all, all the other guys around the peripheral. Uh, Asar Thompson, uh, or no, Amen Thompson. One of the Thompson twins. I, I'm blanking right now as to which one's which. I think it is Asar Thompson in Houston. Um, they, they've got a pretty good young core, though. Like they, They've got some some guys there. Now they have other veterans, like Jeff Green's going to be a good vet uh, for that locker room. Jock Lawndale uh, is going to be pretty solid for them. So they have enough pieces where they could be I feel like they could be like the Jazz where they're not fun to play. It, like the Jazz last year, I should say, where if you're a playoff team, you probably don't want to play the Rockets because it's not like a guaranteed win, but they'll probably just end up being like the, the 13th seed anyways, just because they're not good enough. So bad, but could get better? Yeah, probably bad, but could get better. Dr. Quinn? Well, uh, that's exactly where I have them as well. I think uh, there's some extracurricular stuff that we have not mentioned uh, in a very Miles Bridges sort of way that is going to be a massive distraction to a team that is already, it's loaded with baggage, right? Uh, with Ime Udoka mm -hmm. being there, trying to distance himself from the, the situation he left in Boston, uh, the team already being very raw, very chaotic, and it's just... They they have young, good players. Tari Eason, I would love to find a way to get him off of that roster onto Boston's. Uh, there are some really good players on that team. They have, assuming no other shenanigans happen, a really good coach. They could be a play-in team if everything goes right. I highly doubt it's going to. I think that because of everything else that's going on, they're probably a squarely bad but could get better team. Yeah, I, I did this when we talked about the Eastern Conference. It's, I feel similarly about the Pistons, which is, you know, there's a lot of momentum. But last year, Houston won 22 games, and it took 40 games to qualify for the play-in tournament. So, yeah, they brought in two established players, a new coach, and the young guys are getting better. It just doesn't seem like it's that is worth 18 more wins, um, especially because the, the conference is loaded. So wins are going to be hard to come by. So... Uh, I think I'm going to put Houston in the tank uh, when the dust Ooh, settles. I, yeah. When the dust settles, I think by March or April, it's clear that they'd be better off shutting things down early, even if they get fined apparently. Um, so I reckon I got Houston as a, as a little tanky team, but I'm sure they don't want it to be that way. Anyways, Dr. Quinn start us off talking about the Los Angeles Clippers. Well, in the spirit of what Alex demanded from us in the last episode, we will not consider, say, a James Harden or maybe even a stranger uh, addition to the roster. And we'll just look at what they have. And if healthy, then they are a contender. But they are not healthy ever, ever healthy. And they didn't really make any really clear moves. I'm not really sure what the direction of this team is. I'm not really sure if they really do believe in the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard core, considering how many games it's missed and the impending financial situations they have to consider with that. But without diving into the future of that particular roster, I just don't see them being good enough to be better than a pretender. And they're trending in the direction of a playoff team, in my opinion. But for now, I will grant them uh, squarely pretender status. Jack, what about you? 
Uh, yeah, I, I think the same. I, I'm pretty out on the, the Kawhi Paul George. I'm over it. I, I To be honest, I think this could be the last year of that duo together in L.A. Like, it's just it's great when they're both healthy. But like Justin said, they're, they're never healthy. Like, it's never going to happen. They're never going to be able to stay on the court. And the Russell Westbrook thing's fine. Like, he was actually pretty solid for them last season. Uh, they added Kenyon Martin Jr. If you really want their like offseason additions. Yeah. So, like, good for them. But is he going to bring them over the hump? Probably not. It just seems to mess Marcus doesn't want to be there anymore that that's a whole weird situation going on there i saw something along the lines i can't remember when this was like earlier this summer saying they're like oh yeah we might move a vicha zubach which is just like why like it's just they're weird i don't know what they're doing they're pretender like justin said bordering on playoff team also i was wrong a men thompson plays in houston and i googled it because i knew i was wrong uh but anyways yeah clippers <laughs> pretender or worse probably for me probably i feel the same way i just when Kawhi is healthy, he might be the best player in the league. And it's such a shame that he's never healthy. So, I mean, similar to Kyrie Irving, like just the track record is not in the Clippers' favor, but there's just like flashes of Kawhi playing basketball that it's like, oh my God, this is a completely different sport for this human being. Okay, I get to talk about uh, where do the Lakers play now? Is it still called Crypto.com? Or the Crypt? I think so, yeah. But didn't that company fold? That's the heat I think uh, you're thinking of. I don't know if it's the same company, hmm. but I know that they, they got to rename their yeah, arena. Yeah, the, the FTX arena. No, I think yeah, crypto.com. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, it's all a scam. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm biting my tongue a little bit. Okay. The Lakers. I think they're better than consensus, but like for all the wrong reasons. Austin Reeves is not going to make that much of a difference. I think he's going to be huge defensive liability. Um, I think D'Angelo Russell is a challenge to, to integrate into this team, but I don't think they were super healthy last year. And when LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy, they're really dang good. So I think the Lakers have an opportunity to be contenders. So I'd probably put them at like pretender plus status, if that makes sense. Um, so, but I think they're people, I think they're going to be pretenders because everyone's going to be like, oh, Austin Reeves, like, oh, Rui, oh, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think that those players are really moving the needle. And instead, I think probably we're slightly underestimating what the healthy all-star duo is capable of. So uh, pretender is probably the most accurate answer. But I think, my, I, I suspect I'm arriving at that differently than other people might. Jack, what do you think about the Lakers? Uh, as much as my geographical location tells me I need to hate them, I really I think the Lakers might be really good this year. I, I mean, you look at what they did once they traded Russell Westbrook last year, making the run to the Western Conference Finals and playing really well to end the regular season. They improved upon a roster that is pretty well built around LeBron and AD now. Um, Christian Woods obviously got defensive question marks because he is on a minimum contract. So obviously, but as a guy who's going to come off the bench for them, like that's just a good, you know, uh, chance to take on a player gabe vincent for them is gonna be great that's like so that, good that, what a signing for them um and because they have gabe vincent i was writing about this for again the pacers site uh in the context of buddy healed like delo can just be a trade ship now like they don't need delo they have austin reeves they have gabe vincent and it doesn't have to be buddy healed but if they can ship out d'angelo russell for another wing another shooter another guy who fits in with that rotation like they have a lot of opportunities to take a roster that i think should already be 
a contender in the West and make it even better around LeBron and AD, even though they are injured prone and old and there's concerns around the star duo. Just, I think this Lakers team has a chance to be really good. And not even to mention Jared Vanderbilt's a great player. Rui Hachimura yeah. is a good player. Like they've got so much depth. They just signed two young project pieces in Jackson Hayes and Cam Reddish in, in the line of, you know, Lonnie Walker and Malik Monk. Like they've done a good job of rehabilitating these younger players. I hate to say it, but the Lakers, in my eyes, they're a contender. They're going to be really good, I think. Okay. I agree they can be. I think I'm right in the middle of both of you. Uh, I think there's too many ifs for me to call them a contender outright, but I think they're just there if they can get with what they have very healthy or make a couple more improvements around the margins just to improve the depth so their, their stars don't have to play as much. Then I think they can be a contender, but I'm not quite sold so i'm gonna go not a contender a pretender for the lakers as a like quick thought experiment does what happened last season to play in teams making the conference finals has that changed either of your value on standings as like the playoffs loom or do you think that's gonna prove to be a big outlier uh i feel like it was an outlier at least in my opinion like i think teams can have a chance but i think the thing that was so unique about those two is that it all shifted so quick. Like the heat were injured all season. Like they could not field a consistent roster. And the second they did just happened to be the second that the playoffs hit. And the same thing for the Lakers, they were dealing with Russ for the first half of the season. And then they finally hit their groove, which is why I think I'm so high on the Lakers heading into next year, because they now have a competent roster and we saw how good they were with a competent roster last year. And so I think it's possible with the plan. I just don't know if it's going to be something you see year in, year out. I think you put your finger on exactly one of the reasons why the playoff, the playoff, the play in is such an interesting new addition. Not that new anymore, really, I should say. Uh, just because teams that get hurt partway through the year or start the year with hurt players and then get better, run into shape, et cetera, it gives them a chance to be the team at the level that they, well, maybe at the level, but it gives them a chance. And that's something that, you know, plenty of, very solid teams have missed the playoffs in the history of the league because somebody gets a really nasty ankle sprain or something like that. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, and the flip side of that coin is like, we're a Jimmy Butler banked in hero shot from them just going home early to begin with. So uh, yeah, the, the standings are not, I don't know. Uh, I think playoff history is not that statistically significant when we look at it in the grand scheme of things. Anyways, Jack, you get another sticky team. Memphis, what's good with Memphis? Man, um, they're weird. I love the Marcus Smart edition, obviously. That's great for them. It's perfect. It is their point guard while Ja is out, and it is their Dylan Brooks better when Ja Morant gets back. Uh, they were really good without Ja for the past two seasons, so like they can win without him. Uh, Desmond Bain's a great player. I think he could have an all-star season this year. Jaron Jackson's obviously awesome. Um they have a good team. I think they would have done better last year had Steven Adams been healthy for the playoffs and he could have battled down there because Jaron Jackson's not built to be a center as we saw at the FIBA World Cup. He's not a center. Um, I would probably put them right on the bridge of contender to pretender status. I just, you got to wait for them to take that next jump because as you've heard so often with the Grizzlies, there's only so long you can be this, oh, they're a really cool young team. Like that's not that's yeah. not it anymore. They, they have they have to win. And if they don't win, then they're gonna be a disappointment. And I think you're starting to see that a little bit as they get bounced in the first or second round. Um, so 
I'd probably put them on the bridge. They're a pretender right now that could be contender if things break their way and the right guys take the right steps. Yeah, I think they are a pretender just for the fact that one of their most important players isn't going to be with the team for a large chunk of the season and they're adding a new guy in. So it's almost like they have to have two preseasons, one in the season to figure out how that goes. Uh, I think there's a way that it could easily come out and be a strong contender if everything goes right, but they could also become a chaotic team that is like flirting with a plan. Yeah. I also, I'm just going to say that they're a playoff team. I feel like there's a chance that they could implode. There's a chance that they could really figure it out. Um, So I'm going to split the gap and say a playoff team. The Luke Kernard signing is really interesting uh, for them. I think they really need a, a more traditional wing. Santi Aldama. I want that dude on a team that I root for. Um, he's so good. <laughs> I think he's so good. I think he probably doesn't fit in correctly in Memphis, but um, uh, yeah, free Santi, man. I I have my eye on that guy for sure. Um, yeah, I think I think it could go in any direction for Memphis. That's like a <laughs> the team could implode and look so different next season, or they could, you know, click and win a ton of games because they've got a lot of talent. All right, Dr. Quinn, another confusing team, Minnesota. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, They may not know what they're doing, but Anthony Edwards is really good. Uh, As a team, they're generally healthier. I'm not really sure how Gobert is going to age, but for now, I think they are squarely a playoff club. They might have gotten a little bit worse in terms of the moves that they made. I think they probably got a little bit better in terms of internal development. And they were already a playoff team, so I think they're a playoff team. Jack? Uh, I think they could flirt with the play-in, but they should be good enough to be a playoff team. I think Anthony Edwards can take a step. I really love Jaden McDaniels. I think he's awesome. He just stops has to stop punching walls. I think Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns is weird. They need to spend more time on the court together because obviously Cat was out for a decent chunk of last year. But I think they're one failed season away from, okay, we have to trade one of them because Cat's not going to guard fours. Gobert's not going to guard fours. And so it's less of an issue on the offensive end, even though it is still a little bit awkward because Cat now can't be in the paint as much because Rudy definitely can't be on the perimeter. But <clears throat> so many teams around the league now are rolling out the Jason Tatums, the Kevin Durant's at the power forward position. Cat's not guarding that. He's just not. Yeah. He's too slow. Um, so whether that's let's trade Cat for a haul of assets to help Anthony Edwards lead the team into the future, whether that's, you know, an RJ Barrett package from the Knicks or something else around the league for Carl Anthony Towns. I'm pretty cold on the Timberwolves, although I, they have like, OK, depth like Nas Reed's cool. Really like Nas Reed. Kyle Anderson's fine. Troy Brown Jr. was a good signing. Shake Milton can give them some minutes. They just don't have enough of a structure like we talked about how the nuggets had a great structurally sound thing meh just just not good so i'm out on them yeah the puzzle pieces don't fit together well enough for minnesota so they're playing team for me um talent good homies but uh it's just it doesn't work so maybe play in i would be i wouldn't be that surprised if they missed the play in because the west is loaded speaking of which mm-hmm. uh i'll start with the new orleans pelicans i think until we see more from Zion, it's playing as the ceiling. Really good players, interesting fit, maybe some weird geography going on. On paper, really good, but the West is loaded. 
we don't have a track record of them playing, you know, solid 82 games. So they're probably in the play in for me, Jack. Yeah. I, I mean, especially with Trey Murphy now out, it just seems like they're destined for another play in season unless Zion can get healthy and stay on the court consistently. And even at that point, they're probably peaking as a playoff team. Yeah, I'm going with what I've seen out of Zion in the past, which is not much. So again, play in. Okay, Jack, uh, the Thunder. Is this the year or are they going to wait uh, wait to strike another year? I love the Thunder. I love. They're so good. Chet Holmgren's coming back. Case and Wallace look great in Summer League. Giddy's, I've seen a lot of uh, most improved player love. Shea's obviously amazing. Jalen Williams was great last year. They've got so much talent, and they have all the assets to add another star to next year. I think they're a playoff team this year. I think they're better than some of these lower-tier regular playoff teams. Like I think they're better than the Timberwolves. I think they're better than the Pelicans. I think they could be better than even the Clippers if they get hurt. So I, I think the the Thunder are going to be really good this year. Dr. Quinn? Don't disagree. I think it's hard to see what Shea's been doing in the World Cup and think that he's not going to be a top-20 player, maybe even a top-10 player this year. It's hard wasn't for me. First, wasn't he all NBA first team? Yeah. Yeah. So he's nasty. I, I don't think there's a realistic chance that they're going to finish lower than, than six this year. So by default, they have to be a play uh, playoff team. I think they're a pretender. I think that they are going to flirt with a really high. Uh, they won 40 games last year. I think I bet they could up that. I think the West is loaded. So there's going to be a lot of teams in the 40 win category. I think, a few times here and there, they're going to go on tears and they're going to be a sexy uh, talk radio pick. Like, could the Thunder put it together? Which is, you know, classic pretenders, pretender status. So they're a year or two or a year away from being a year away, probably. But I think there are going to be times where there's some, some real fire um, when we talk about the Thunder, um, which is to say I'm rooting for that team. I think that's such a fun team. Shout out to Giddy. Okay, Jack, you get the Suns. You got mm. <laughs> I guess I think I know what I mean, you're going to say, but let's see. I mean, they're a contender. You have that much talent. You got to be a contender. I think Bradley Beal, Devin Booker is going to be a little bit awkward in the backcourt, but Devin Booker played point guard for them. And when you have Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, it's probably not too hard to play point guard. Uh, and they had a really good offseason too. Like all those minimum guys they got, Josh Kogi, Eric Gordon, um, Drew Eubanks. Like they got a lot of players that can play Yuta Watanabe. Like they have a pretty good structure uh, down there in Phoenix. So uh, I, they're a contender. You have to be. Dr. Quinn? I want to disagree. I have some real doubts, but because of the track records of all the people that Jack just named, uh, I really can't doubt them yet. I mean, until I see at least two or three games, I have to give them some degree of credit as a contender with that much talent on this roster. So they're pretty squarely one for me as well. Even if deep in my heart of hearts, I have some pretty big doubts about this team's ability to play all the way into the finals. Yeah, I might say pretender. The health injuries bug really stinks with these guys in Phoenix. There's a lot of new working parts, new coach. Uh, I like this team a lot. I'm personally rooting for this team um, and the people on that team, but I don't know. It doesn't seem as solid a bet as a team like the Celtics or the Nuggets. So I'll go pretender just to be a little spicy. Um, Dr. Quinn, (laughs) what do you think about the Trailblazers? Right now, which is what we have to do, they are maybe a playing team. Maybe. Depending on, I mean, like, depending on how training camp goes, if the team that they have now with Dame still on it, 
uh, tries to take the field and makes it all the way to the regular season without trading him, yeah, they could probably be a play-in team. I would be very, very surprised if they do better than that in the West. Nerland's new well was waived. Um, Jack Simone, <laughs> what do you think of Portland? Sorry, I just <sighs> got a notification. <laughs> uh, I think even with Dame, I don't think they're even a playoff team or play-in team. I I just think there's too many talented teams in the West, and if they do lose Dame, I think they're the worst team in the NBA. Like Scoot's cool, Simons is cool, and then cool. Like the rest of the roster is meh. Like Kevin. What Knox about the Bosnian beast? Ah, no, I, I'm out on Nurkic too. He he needs the perfect situation, I think, to be a useful asset. I just I think the Trailblazers are going to be really really bad, which is probably really really good for them. Yeah, they're in the tank. I have nothing smart to add to that. Sorry, stinks. Uh, it's my turn. The Kings. Uh, even though they just lost Nerlens Noel, which is a big hit, but they do have Javale McGee, NBA champion Javale McGee. Uh, the Kings are a playoff club. I I just don't think that they have enough talent besides Fox and Sabonis, and that fit is kind of weird. So fun. Hopefully they don't do the light the beam thing too much next year and like overdo it, but I just I can't imagine them really looking like a bona fide contender. Um, Jack, I think you're frozen. So, Justin, what do you think of the Kings? Oh. Uh, personally, I think that what they accomplished in the playoffs last season is potentially replicable. It's unlikely they are, but I'm going to put a positive spin and give it a pretender, but just barely. And looks like Jack is back. Yes. Excellent. Jack is back. back. Jack, back. We, <laughs> we've got playoff pretender ish for the Kings. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think they could have a, a, post i don't even know what the right word is like a, a post high from last season really hangover. really good. it's called a hangover yeah a hangover that's the word i'm looking for uh yeah i think they're probably right in that play-in team uh area in the stacked west play off or play in play in i, I think they might be down wow. in the play in especially with like the thunder and all these other teams like they're not going to have as many easy games in the west so i'd probably put them pretender maybe even a play-in team all right um two more and we'll keep it quick Jack, your Spurs. Jack, the editor-in-chief of Spurs Wire. Check it out. Jack, mm. what's good with the Spurs? Uh, they're fun. I, I think they're going to be super, super fun this year. If Devin Vassell can stay healthy, I think they have a chance to be that sort of thorn in the side of these teams, especially with Wembenyama. Like, they have some sneaky talent there. Wembenyama, obviously, is the name everyone's looking at, but Keldon Johnson's a good player. Keldon Johnson's probably going to come off the bench for them, which is weird because uh, Wembenyama's going to play the four, and they're going to start Zach Collins. That That's what the, the rumbling is, but they seem to really like Zach Collins. And then you got Devin Vassell, Jeremy Sohan. You got Trey Jones. They have a lot of fun young talent. City Sissoko looked great. Uh, so I, I think I think they'll probably be a tank team just because they're bad, but I think they could flirt with, you know, oh, could they make the play in? But they probably won't get there. Quickly, Dr. Quinn, where do you got the Spurs? I wish we had a fun category because they will be very fun, but they will also be very bad. And while I think that maybe Victor Vemignano will be a good player, there's a very good chance he will not be an entirely good player, no matter how highly touted he is or talented or physically gifted, etc. When you get to the NBA, things are different and it's hard to learn. Just like when we were talking earlier, you get to FIBA, things are different and it's hard to learn. So I think they are firmly in the tank. I'm going to go with bad and could get better. Um, they might end up being one of the lowest 
teams on the totem pole in terms of which incidentally is a position of power and we have that one backwards but whatever um they might win very few games but they're definitely trending up i don't think they're tanking the way that word is uh understood in the nba so i'm gonna give them a bad getting better but who knows okay let's do one more but i'm gonna do outro stuff first to help some people stall along the way so we've been talking to jack simone you know Jack from Celtics blog. You know Jack from his podcast, the How About Them Seas podcast. You might know him from Bulls Wire, Spurs Wire, elsewhere in the NBA universe. You might also know that the Celtics Lab podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Okay, with that out of the way, that pregnant pause, let's do the jazz and then we'll add up the score. So Jack, what do you think of the jazz? Uh, they'll probably be similar to last year. Maybe like, oh, could they make the play in? And then by the end of the season, they'll fall into the tank category of will probably be the 14th, 15th, 13th, whatever best team. Um, they have marketing. He's cool. Kessler was good. Taylor Hendricks. I-, I think he'll be a good NBA player, but they just don't have the talent to compete in the West. So I'll, I'll put them in the, the tank category, but they, they have like the talent to flirt with the plan, but they just won't get there. Dr. Quinn. Well, I do like the John Collins addition. Uh, I think he's going to have a role there as opposed to what he had in Atlanta, which was really just kind of existing. I don't think it's going to make him a playoff team per se, but I think there's a good chance that they could be a playoff team. So I'm going to go ahead and preemptively say that they, by the skin of their teeth, are a playoff team just to be highly optimistic in contrast to Jack. I'm going playoff team full stop. They've got the pride of the Finnish military industrial complex, Mr. Larry Markin, and they're going to kick a lot of ass next season. Um, look, they could turn it around and tank and tear it down because Danny Ainge is a madman, but really talented roster. I think they fit together really well. It's going to be a hard out. Um, they also have an altitude advantage, just like Denver. So, uh, look, I think it's going to be really crowded in the standings. So the difference between playoff and play-in is going to be one or two games, and Marketing's worth one or two games as far as I'm concerned. All right, Dr. Quinn, uh, we are ready to hear our pecking order in the Western Conference. Break it down. So the contenders are the Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns, probably to the surprise of absolutely no one. Uh, Pretenders, Golden State, Lakers, Clippers, and Memphis. Playoff teams, Dallas, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Sacramento, and Utah play in teams, uh, Definitely not. Oh, you know what? I think I, New Orleans Pelicans. I don't know how Phoenix ended up there by mistake as well. Thank goodness. Yeah. Anyway, moving right along, the bad but could get better teams, Houston and Portland. And the only team that is explicitly in the tank uh, is not the Clippers, but the Spurs. Thank you for fixing that on my notes. I had to write really quick, and uh, evidently my typing sucks. Yeah, Justin has places to be. Um, so good luck to these Western Conference teams and Uh, qualifying for the NBA Finals and playing the Boston Celtics in that aforementioned NBA Final. Until then, you can rely on Justin, Jack, and myself for all of your Celtics needs, um, or Jack for your Bulls, Pacers, Spurs needs, for whatever that's worth. Um, Jack, thanks for coming by again. We'd love to see you as always. Um, Apparently the thing for people on YouTube, the the sound barrier behind Jack is called a Biombo. Justin taught us that. So that's fun. Um, otherwise, like and subscribe. We will be back next week with more Celtics Lab content. And until then, adios.